Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. My goal is to give practical tips to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. Have you ever considered going to one of the top schools in the country? Have you ever thought, wow, I want to be a Harvard graduate someday. I want to go to Stanford Law School. If you've ever considered that, or maybe you've always taken the other approach and said, there's no way I would ever go to one of those schools, this episode is for you. In episode 22, we're going to discuss, should you choose a prestigious university or should you choose your local university? And I am so excited to discuss this because it's something that has been discussed in my family for almost 30 years. Today on the episode, my older brother, Lance Cargill, is going to join us. And Lance took a very different path than I did once he went to graduate school. It was something, again, that we have discussed periodically, but never to the degree that we're going to today. In this episode, my goal is that if you always are one of those that say, I should never do that, that by the end of this episode, you're going to think, I need to consider it. And if you're one who says, I absolutely am going to one of those top prestigious schools, at the end of this episode, you're going to say, I need to consider the alternative. I hope that Lance giving the pros and me giving the cons is going to be a nice mix for you. And in the end, you'll be able to discuss it, talk about it with your family, and you'll be able to decide what is the right fit for you. Lance is one of my greatest mentors. A lot of what I did was because of his leadership, his mentorship of me as my older brother. He's one of my heroes. I'm so excited for you to get to hear from him and learn from him as I have and continue to do so today. Lance, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. <laughs> well, I've done a little introduction of you, but I did not cover everything and I know people will want to know a little bit of your story, your background. If you wouldn't mind just sharing that to begin with, I think that would be a great uh, beginning for the discussion that we're about to have on whether students should choose prestigious universities far away from home or go to their local universities. So introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, like you, I went to Harrow High School, grew up in Harrow, Oklahoma. Um, like you, I went to Oklahoma State undergrad. Um, studied economics and political science there. I <clears throat> got my um, law degree from Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Started out uh, professionally working at one of the major American law firms. It was a firm called Aiken Gump in uh, Dallas. It's one of those places that has over a thousand lawyers and you do a bunch of corporate litigation and business work. Um, got homesick for Oklahoma and moved back to Oklahoma in at the end of 1998. And then I got the political bug, ended up running for office, got elected to the Oklahoma House of Representatives, eventually became Speaker of the House there. Um, since leaving the legislature, I uh, continued to do some legal work, but a lot of what I do is uh, political work, help people run for office, issue campaigns, um, et cetera, and still live in Hera. We both obviously started Oklahoma State, as we said, but then in your graduate work, you know, you go to Vanderbilt 
And I know that was a hard decision. And even in our, among our family, I mean, you know, our, our, our dad was not super supportive of going to going there, although he supported you and everything you did. But, you know, he was one that's like, oh, why don't you stay here? I think mom was a little more indifferent about it. Um, you know, you do what's best and that kind of thing. But it was a tough decision for you to move away and go to Vanderbilt. Right. Yeah. We, of course, lived in Oklahoma all our life. I lived in Oklahoma County, Oklahoma City area all our life. So it was definitely something new. Um, obviously, it was more expensive. And um, so some unknown there. All right. So let's start going through some of the aspects that students and parents are going to have to consider if they're going to decide maybe they want to go off to the prestigious school. And I know that in general, you're going to be for most of these. And so in this discussion, uh, you know, I want you to express why you are in favor of those things. I'm going to express why there are the cons of a lot of these things. And then that way people can hear both sides. And I know there'll be some where we both, you know, will argue, you know, the other side or whatever, but this way people can kind of decide on their own. And here's some of the things that might need to be considered. So I want to start with a big one. I, you know, I, I hear a lot. I'm told a lot, Hey, you need to go to that great college because you know, nowhere else are you going to get that quality of education. You know, if you want to be an engineer, you got to go to the best engineering school in the country. You should be at MIT. You should be at Stanford. You should be, you know, at, at wherever. So let's talk about that. Is that a valid argument that you should go to a prestigious university because the quality of education and teaching is so much better? Well, can I preference what I'm saying? Uh, and I know a lot of my comments today are going to be in favor of that elite, you know, national kind of university. But by no means do I say that's the right. I, students need to get the right fit for them. And for a lot of people, that would be the best option, but not, not necessarily, you know. And so the things that we talk about today um, hopefully go into that calculus. Um, but by no means do, you know, do I advocate that it's the best, best choice for every, every single student. No doubt. So for me at, at the time, a lot of what drove me was job prospects. What are my job prospects? Now there's a, again, there's a whole lot of factors that go into picking a college and an environment. Um, academics, clearly very important. The quality of instruction you're going to get, the kind of student body you're going to have, the setting, you know, the community, um, extracurricular, all those sorts of things. But first and foremost in my mind really was career opportunities and job opportunities. And the better academics that a school has, I think, oftentimes directly correlates to to better job opportunities, but not necessarily. Again, you got to think about what kind of, you know, it, you like you mentioned engineering. Well, what kind of engineering do you want to do? You know, I mean, if you're wanting to do computer engineering, maybe Silicon Valley is better than an MIT. There's just a lot of factors, but Clearly, academics, the quality of instruction you get is going to be, in most instances, directly related to what kind of professional opportunities you have. So let's, we can talk about that, the academic aspect. Again, I have a perspective because I went to the large state school and then I went to, um, although it was a professional school, it was still more of the elite type school. I will say what, what is interesting, I think, about going to the elite type school is that in some of my classes, for example, I was sitting in class with the professor that actually wrote the book. So let's say, you know, at Oklahoma State on the undergraduate level, I took some some law related courses. And so you had a professor who was teaching out of a test textbook, you know, that he got that was written by some luminary somewhere, right? 
Well, the neat thing that you go to a school like Vanderbilt and sometimes you get like the authoritative source on a particular topic. Let me take, for example, torts in law school. So one of the quintessential law school textbooks that that is used by many, many law schools across the country is a textbook called Prosser, Wade, and Schwartz. All right. Well, Wade was a professor and eventually dean of Vanderbilt Law School back in like the 20s or 30s, right? And so he's obviously passed on, but the person who now edits and updates that textbook is a professor at Vanderbilt. And I had him, my torts two class, I got to sit in his class and, you know, learn directly from him and make no mistake. It was a, it was a great, great experience. The overall quality, and this is something I'll talk about students and uh, other opportunities, the depth that you get at a school like Vanderbilt kind of makes it stand out. Um, are there great professors at OU and OSU? Absolutely. You know, I mean, you can, you, you can find really great professors to learn from, but the depth of their faculty perhaps is not what you'll find. Anybody teaching at a Vanderbilt or a Rice or a Notre Dame, you know, arguably has reached, you know, more towards the pinnacle of their profession. And so every single class, every single professor you have is really, um, you know, arguably going to be top notch. Now, the, the, the flip side of that is in terms of the in-classroom experience, um, you know, just because you are a well-respected published author doesn't necessarily mean you are the greatest in-classroom instructor. I mean, I, I, I think back of some of the instructors I had at OSU and I had fantastic classroom experiences. They might not have been as published or recognized within the profession, but in terms of, of what I learned there, you know, I had great, great experiences. And is every elite researcher or somebody that, you know, yeah. Fox News or CNN goes out and gets to commentate on the news of the day just because, you know, they're a professor at Vanderbilt? Does that necessarily mean they're the greatest classroom instructor? Not necessarily, but on the whole, overall, the quality, the depth um, is something that really stands out at a school like like a Vanderbilt. Well, in industrial engineering school at Oklahoma State, you know, the, I've always said Dr. King Case was an amazing instructor. He's one of the he's world renowned in statistical process control, and he taught there, and his his class was incredible. And although, like you said, I had some great professors, I had some uh, people that you know, man, they were really good in their areas to say they were on Ken Case's level. I mean, the, the, the elite in the world, uh, you know, that, that was a, that was an anomaly there. Whereas you may go to a MIT or a, uh, you know, a, a Harvard or a, uh, you know, Stanford, and you may have multiple professors who are at that level. Right. And like you say, you're reading the, you know, the, the Wall Street Journal, and you're reading about your professors because these are the world experts. And so I think that one, I, I agree. There, there is no doubt you're going to be exposed to some elite level. I remember when, when we toured uh, Johns Hopkins University Medical Research Center, I could not believe the people I was talking to there. It was so elite. You're not going to get that in a lot of other places. So yeah, that's one that I, I definitely could see. Now, you mentioned job opportunities. So I, that was the second one I had on the list I wanted to discuss. And you talked about how it presented more opportunities. So let's just briefly touch on that. And then I'm going to touch on the other side of it. Go, go ahead and do that. When I was thinking about law schools and everything, um, I didn't, you know, we grew up very blue collar. It's not like we personally knew 
I don't, any lawyers, actually, I don't think. There was one lawyer that I, that I uh, had come in contact with, um, and he asked me what law schools I was looking at. And of course, I said Harvard and all these places. And he said, where do you want to live? Where do you want to actually practice law? You know, where, where are you going to live? And I said, well, uh, you know, I don't know where exactly starting out, but I, I, re- I imagine ultimately I want to come back here to Oklahoma. And he said, if you want to live and practice in Oklahoma, there's nowhere you can go better than OU. Yeah. And that struck me, you know, and I took it in. Yep. Uh, and and, and I th- in retrospect, that's probably true. If you don't know for sure, you know, that Oklahoma is the place that you want to go, um, then going to a place like Vanderbilt can expand your her- horizons and possibilities. And I didn't know. I didn't know for sure I wanted to forever live in Oklahoma. And I starting out, I kind of wanted to see some different places and new places and things. The example is that a lot of Oklahoma law firms will come to OU to recruit uh, and they can, and they can get, you know, I don't know their entire recruitment list, but I'm sure some law firms from Texas and other places like that come to recruit on campus. Um, but the easiest way and best way, of course, to get a job is to get face to face in front of a law firm recruiter, right? So if the firm is not coming onto campus, it's hard to get on their radar screen. Yeah. And uh, and if you're just sending a blind resume or something, it can be really hard to get on their radar screen. Right. The benefit of a school like Vanderbilt is they had hundreds of law firms from all over the country that came and wanted to, to meet you and to interview you. Yep. So you were going to have a shot. So like I was especially interested in maybe Texas as a place to start out. That's where I ended up at Dallas and the firm I ended up working with, sure enough, had sent one of their Vanderbilt alums to come and, and interview students. And there were over 50 Texas law firms that that interviewed on Vanderbilt's campus. Wow. Now, um, I kind of mentioned the the engineering example. You know, if you're interested in uh, computer engineering, maybe Stanford is better than MIT. I was also admitted to Notre Dame. And so I, I visited Notre Dame and loved so many things about it. Uh, but I asked for the list of law firms that come and recruit on campus. And so they gave it to me. And there were a lot, a lot of Chicago firms, Detroit firms, you know, regional firms from that area. Then, frankly, they had quite a few California firms and East Coast firms. They may have even had more East Coast and California firms than Vanderbilt did. But the one thing they didn't have, for whatever reason, they only had like two or three Texas law firms coming to Notre Dame wow. uh, to interview on campus. And Vanderbilt was just kind of a pipeline to the best Texas law firms. And so that, you know, that, that opened, uh, that really helped me make my decision. The other thing is that it's not just about your first job. You know, let's say you want to live in Oklahoma, but the Oklahoma economy, um, you know, there's a downturn and maybe the hiring, you know, is, is uh, weaker, uh, or you just want to see something new. The, the thing about going to a more of elite school is that it can open that door later in your career too, I think. Now, to be sure, some of the top, top elite Wall Street law firms, um, they're only going to hire, you know, from like a Harvard or a Yale or a Stanford, right? I mean, they're not even really coming on campus to, to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's too low for them. Now, if you're if you're like the editor of the law review, you know, highly elite, maybe at Vanderbilt, you know, you got a shot. But, you know, there's just this cascade down from opportunity that 
that just the name, just that credential can at least get you a look, you know? And so that was something that I felt like it's almost like an insurance policy. Cause you know, as we'll talk about later, there's a cost differential between these places too. Yes, there and is. in some way that extra cost is an insurance policy that you've got this credential that you can take and at least, you know, have a shot to do other things in other places that you might not, if you didn't, if you didn't have that credential. So that's, that's a whole lot of, of thoughts on the, on the professional side. Yeah. And the counter argument to that is, is look, if you're wanting to work at home, you could have graduated from OU, you could have graduated from OCU and you could have gotten a job at the top firms here if you wanted to stay here. And I know we got listeners all over, but you know, it doesn't matter if you listen in Idaho. I mean, you know, if you're wanting to live in Coeur d'Alene, well, you don't have to go to Vanderbilt to work in Coeur d'Alene. So, you know, it, there's, there's a balance in that, but like you say, now that those are some good arguments and I haven't heard you make some of those. Um, but look, I remember in 1995, you telling dad that you wouldn't believe the law firms that are on campus. And you're like, I would have never had exposure to them. So there's no doubt that's true. It'll be something to think through if you are set, Hey, I'm going to work here anyway. You don't have to go way off. When I was in corporate recruiting at Lucent Technologies, recruiting engineers, we recruited three schools and three schools only, Oklahoma State, OU, and Oklahoma Christian. And we got every engineer we needed out of those three locally, unless someone from wherever submitted to us. And like you said, that many times is a crapshoot because you have no idea if they're even going to look at it. So, all right, that was a good one. So talk about the advantage of where you rank in the class even, because I know when you graduate from those really great universities, there there's just an understanding that you're a quality lawyer or quality engineer. And so talk about that in your standing as far as your graduating class. Well, that's absolutely true. There's a difference, frankly, in pressure in a lot of ways. And you wouldn't think about it. um, You think you're going to the elite school. It's going to be really, really, really hard. And that's true in one respect. But the, the pressure, frankly, that I had at Oklahoma State um, I knew that I had to be at the top of my class or I wasn't going to have the opportunities. And even at the top of the class, they could be limited. Um, so, f- for example, I was waitlisted. Coming out of Oklahoma State, I was waitlisted at Harvard, Stanford, and University of Chicago Law School, all top five law schools, right? University of Chicago came and interviewed me. And they, they actually, they invited me to interview there on campus. And the director of admission was just great. We had a wonderful conversation. But at the end, he was very honest with me. And he said, look, we just don't have a history of taking kids from Oklahoma State. And we really don't know what you know your GPA and your performance at Oklahoma State means because we don't have a history with the school. They said, now, I know the top person at Michigan, the top person at Michigan State, at Illinois, Minnesota, every year we're taking one, two, three, four, five students from those schools. And I know what that means. And I know that they can come here and perform well. At Oklahoma State, we don't have that history. So uh, knowing that, I I felt like I had to be at the very, very top and max out. So there's a lot of pressure. If you go to um, a school like Stanford, for example, they don't even have regular grades in their law school. They have basically satisfactory, non-satisfactory. And if you're at the very top of your class, you get like an honors. So you you can feel like I don't have to just completely max out at one of these places and I'm still going to have good opportunities. And that's that's something to consider too. 
Well, that's a good point. Cause I remember when Camden was offered by uh, Columbia, you said that exact thing to him. Cause we were like, man, there, I just don't know if he can make it there. And, and you were like, listen, he goes there, he works hard, he does well, he'll be fine. He doesn't have to be at the top. He doesn't even have to be, you know, in the top quarter. It's like, just go do your best and uh, the opportunities will follow. Okay, so let's move on to connections. There's no doubt that you're going to meet a lot of amazing people. And we know that in college that that's one of the big deals is uh, not only to get that piece of paper showing you graduated, but the people you meet and the connections you make. So talk about the advantage of the connections you can make at a place like some of these prestigious names that we keep mentioning. So, all right, I had gone to undergrad, Oklahoma State University. I went to school with great kids from Woodward and Chandler and Coweta and Catoosa and places like that, right? Um, I go to Vanderbilt, and one of the very first classes I was in, um, the professor, it was first day, and professor said, okay, everybody's going to introduce himself say where you went to undergrad, where you grew up, you know, that's just that sort of thing. So I'm sitting there and they come to my row and the girl sitting beside me says, uh, I'm, you know, Susie Q. I went to UCLA. I'm from Beverly Hills, California. <laughs> and I thought, wow, okay, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and so I say, Hey, I'm o Oklahoma state hair, Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> so then the guy bes beside, beside me on the other side, um, had gone to, uh, I think the, like the London school of economics and he was from paradise Valley, Arizona, which if you know anything about Phoenix and Arizona, that's like the hoity toity place. And then the guy beside him, um, it came out that before coming to law school, he had worked for NASA. And so the professor interrupted him and said, so you're a literal rocket scientist, huh? And he said, well, yeah, I guess you could say that. So, I mean, it's just, the 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 types of people, the caliber um, that you meet at, at some of these places is just really really great. And again, at the top top of the class at OSU, was I with people who were just absolutely elite and fantastic? You know, one of my good friends went to Harvard Law School, right? At Vanderbilt, every single person there, you know, was was the top of their class at Michigan State or University of Washington or Florida or wherever it was. And so the depth of your class and the type of, of people that you meet um, definitely is pretty remarkable. Now, we go back to, uh, did I make great connections and relationships at Oklahoma State that I've used throughout my my career living here in Oklahoma? Absolutely. Have those been very valuable? Uh, for sure. One of the interesting things that I see have seen mentioned in this debate about elite schools and not elite schools and the value of them um, and something that I, I think there's a lot of truth to is that ultimately you could say that the very biggest advantage that you get by going to one of these elite schools is simply the relationships and connections that you meet. It's not even necessarily the quality of instruction or some of the initial job opportunities, but you're going to, you're going to be living with and meeting, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people that ultimately are going to accomplish great things in their field all across the country and that can be a valuable network for you, regardless of, of what you do. Well, next week, we're going to be talking to uh, Jackson, my nephew, Lance's son. And we're going to talk about his journey to Stanford and what, it's, what, what that entails. Because it's a different path than what most do. And so uh, I'm excited to have him on and let people hear kind of how that road and that application process goes. Because it is very different. I will say 
uh, for the listeners, it was fascinating because Jackson is getting to do a lot of video and interactive stuff before he goes. And what a story this is. But uh, for the listeners, Lance uh, texts me and says, you're not going to believe this, but Jackson was actually on a call, a video call with one of the top Obama administration officials' son. And I'm like, holy cow, this is incredible. The people that you will associate with. Did I say that correct, Lance? Is that, uh, was that uh, the case? Yeah, that's right. Well, and you know, like you said, I loved it. You said you're going to meet great people here. And you know, for me, I'm like, I'm great meeting the local people and the, the top here and, uh, you know, whatever. But there's no doubt you do make some amazing connections. Whether that really comes into play in your life, who knows? But it will open your eyes and open some doors potentially. So that is certainly a consideration. All right. Now let's discuss undergrad versus graduate. Now I'm going to start on this one. I am much more open to the possibility of going to a prestigious school for graduate school. I'm not so much in favor of going to a prestigious school for undergraduate school. I, I, I don't know that it matters as much on undergraduate. Certainly, if you're going to go graduate, I, I know that there's some issues with trying to get accepted and such, but talk about what you think the pros are for undergraduate versus graduate? Well, there's no doubt, you know, graduate school is your most direct pipeline into whatever your chosen profession is going to be, at least starting out. So, um, so the, you know, there's definitely arguments that if you're going to only go to an elite school once, um, let it be for the professional school because it opens the most direct doors into, you know, into, into your profession. Um, I do think back about that conversation I had with the admissions director at University of Chicago Law School. The, uh, you know, the, uh, it's, it's one thing to say, okay, I'll go to state school university to start, and then I'll just go to an elite school uh, after. Well, it, easier said than done, right? I mean, I, uh, I came out of Oklahoma State and, um, you know, I had perfect grades and had done leadership and had a competitive uh, LSAT, but I didn't, you know, I got waitlisted at all those top, top schools that I dreamed about. Um, and so, you know, I went to Vanderbilt, which is obviously, you know, great and everything, but it, you know, it's, it ain't Harvard and it ain't Stanford and Chicago. And so, um, I, you know, I think you just have to be, be careful about that. Um, because the, you know, the procedure, everything leads to the next door, right? It leads to the next opportunity. And, uh, that, you know, that, that's, definitely the case with your, with your undergraduate institution too. If you have that Harvard undergraduate degree, you're just naturally going to get those, those extra looks. Yeah. And, and for the listeners out there, I mean, I'll just, I'll just tell them, I mean, you double majored economics, political science, four point, I mean, perfect GPA and was named top graduate in economics and still struggled to get into some of the elites. So there's no doubt that what you're saying is true. It definitely comes into play. All right. So the first few that we discussed here, you know, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but now that I'm looking through this on what we're about to discuss, I kind of front end loaded this on some of the more advantages of moving away to the prestigious schools. These back few are going to be harder to give the pros for, easier to give the cons. So I didn't do that on purpose, but I, I think, uh, you know, people see this as we as we go through. So distance from home. Obviously, 
the huge con here is if I move away to the prestigious university, it's a long ways from home. And no matter how much we say we want to get away, we want to go do something, you know, we want to be independent. We all have that longing for home, for what's comfortable. And if you move away to go to one of these prestigious schools, you're taking, you're, you know, you're giving up something. You're, you're going to miss events. You're going to miss things that are important to you. Um, it is going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be a sacrifice, you know, for your family time. Now, certainly with technology today, it's easier than ever to get through this, but it's not like you're coming home for that home cooked meal, or you're going to get to come home every little brother and sister birthday. There is a huge sacrifice in that. And it's something that, you know, a lot of students try and say, Hey, I, I can't do this. I've got to get back closer to home. So that is definitely a con. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm not even maybe the best person to speak on this because I went the least exotic route possible, right? I went to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, that, but that was, that was a draw for me. I remember when I was at Notre Dame driving around the area and I came up to a very, I was driving, I saw this really odd looking road sign uh, up ahead and I slowed down. I was like, what is that sign? And when I got right up to it, I realized it said warning snowmobile crossing. And I sure had never seen a, a sign like that on the road, right? <laughs> and I was so enjoying the 75 degrees in the middle of August. Uh, but then it dawned on me, you know, what December would be like, right? So um, I, I, Nashville was just like a, you know, an offshoot of Oklahoma City. Um, so, but again, it goes back to what, what is it that you, that you want? Some people really do want a totally new, more exotic experience on a coast or a big city. Um, or if you're from the East coast right now, maybe experience the West coast, et cetera. Um, some people want, want that, but by the same token, you, let's say you're a Midwestern kid, Southern kid, like we were, I mean, there are great schools, you know, in the Midwest, uh, Northwestern, Notre Dame, you know, Vanderbilt in the South, Duke, Emory, Tulane, you know, uh, SMU, Rice, et cetera. Um, not to mention great public schools like, you know, A&M, UT, et cetera. So you can find how, how much away, how much new experience do I really want? Um, but get, just getting out of your home state, you know, there, it comes with hardships. Um, but at, you know, at Vanderbilt, I, I could get in my car and, you know, a day's drive, I was, I was back home. So, um, you can find where that happy medium is. And there absolutely are benefits to seeing new places and experience, you know, different parts of the American culture and, uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I remember on one of Camden's recruiting trips to a uh, division one school in the Northeast, the athletic director was giving his final pitch on why Camden should accept the offer. And he told us that we couldn't continue living or Camden could not live his life in his, uh, mid, uh, you know, his Southern bubble or whatever. I don't even remember what he called it, but it was, uh, it was like, Oh really? Okay. Well, I saw where he stood on that issue, but, uh, anyway, I don't, I don't know that that was very convincing that we should, uh, you know, move, but whatever. Um, I, I certainly can see that though. And, and you're right. There's a lot, it's a big world out there and we get kind of, uh, tunneled in sometimes, but, uh, there are, again, there's sacrifices, uh, moving from home and, uh, it'll work for some and, and others. It may not, uh, obviously this is the big one. It's even, uh, you even mentioned it earlier. Uh, to me, this is by far the most critical issue and that is cost. 
So, I, you know, when you look at the cost of these colleges, it is astronomical compared to going to your local schools. It's not even close. I mean, we're talking multiple times more expensive. So I think the question is, um, what is the return on investment for this? Is it worth it? Is it most, most kids are not getting out of schools like this without astronomical debt, unless there's some weird, you know, scholarship program or something that, you know, he, he was able to win or, you know, she got that special, you know, opportunity to go. But for example, and I go back to Columbia just because, you know, that was a decision we had to make. And we talked about it at length. If Camden would have gone to Columbia, I, we started calculating, well, if he's there four years, if he red shirts and plays a fifth year, four or five years at Columbia, he would have graduated with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. I can't even imagine. And we talked about what you're going to get a business degree and you're going to move back to Oklahoma city. How are you ever going to be able to pay that back? And what's going to be the effect on your marriage? And so let's talk return on investment and let's see if you can give some pros on why it's still worth it. Yeah. Well, you make, I mean, you make a, a lot of valid points and it's even more astronomical than it was for me, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. I, I mentioned the idea of an insurance policy, you know, that credential is something that will open doors. If your, if your first plans, your initial plans don't work out, whether it's economic downturn or you just don't like it as much as you grow older, you know, you change. Is that an insurance policy to give you better opportunities if you have to go with plan B? You know, I, I think that's, that's um, point number one. Point number two is you've just, you've got a place of value on the experiences that we talked about, you know, getting to be with the top, top professors and getting to be with these incredible people and being a part of that alumni network and, and, uh, you know, the tradition of those places, there's a value to that, you know, and how much is it worth? You know, I don't know. Um, but that everybody sure. can place a value on that and, and come up, yep. you know, with a number of what they're, they're willing to do. Um, something that's important for undergraduate students to think about these days, not, not so much the professional schools, but in the undergraduate, um, realm, as you know, some of the top, top, like the tippy top, top 20 schools or, or whatever in the nation now are, are moving towards what are called full A no loan schools. And so they're committed to whatever the full amount of aid that you they deem you qualify for, you get that without loans. It's a, it's a combination of, you know, work study and just, just outright grants. Now, if you're in a higher income bracket, you're not going to qualify for the aid. Right. But, um, but if, you know, if depending on where your family sure. income, uh, falls, it, those schools are probably more reachable than they were in the past. Like when we were coming out, um, I think, like schools like Harvard and Stanford right now, I think the cutoff is $150,000 a year. If your parents combined income is 150,000 or less, they're committed to full aid for tuition. Now, um, I don't think it's, don't quote me for sure. I don't think it's full cost of attendance, um, but at least for tuition, I think they're committed to waiving all the tuition costs. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge number, right? Um, so those are yeah, all, you know, big. don't, don't yes. now it, the cat, the flip side of that is once you get beyond those, 
And I think even some of the top, top schools are not full A, no loan schools. Um, but especially when you get past the the Stanfords of the world, and I'm proud to say Vanderbilt is one of those, by the way, um, full A, no loan. Um, but once you get past that very, very limited select group of schools, you're back into you know full full on loans and, and that sort of thing. And I really do think in those situations, you have to look very hard. I mean, is it worth coming out with an English degree from a good school, but you know it ain't Harvard? And uh, you're coming out with two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt or something. I mean, I, I do in those instances think it's very concerning. So, right. um, you know, if you can shoot for and get into one of those top, top, top schools, I think those opportunities are very hard to say no to, frankly. Um, but once you get below that tier, I think there are a whole lot of schools that maybe oversell their experience or really how valuable the degree will be compared to $200,000 worth of debt or whatever it's going to be. Return on investment is, uh, that's not necessarily an objective calculation. I mean, I know economists would want it to be, but to some degree it is subjective because it varies by person, varies by family. And like, for example, for me, if Camden would have gone to Liberty, that return on investment is calculated differently because now we're talking about principles, convictions, morals, whatever. And so yeah, it'll it'll vary, and certainly, uh, like you said about the English major, you got to start thinking: How am I going to turn that into income, and how am I going to work my way out of this? Because uh, you know we don't want to we don't want to draw ourselves down to where uh, we're bound by that past mm-hmm. debt. So let's uh, let's end with two things. Uh, the first one, just a simple question. So here we are, twenty five years later. You look back. And you think about your journey and how it took you to Vanderbilt. Would you do it again? Yes. <laughs> that was a pretty simple answer. And for me, I would say the same thing I've said all these years. There's no way I would have done that. I would have stayed close to home. So uh, again, uh, not to say that the other was wrong and not to say that staying close to home was wrong. I think that's probably was, would have been the right fit for me. And obviously uh, it was the right fit for you. And the last thing I want to talk briefly about is next week, I'm going to have Jackson talk about from a student's perspective on his journey to Stanford. I want you briefly to talk about from a parent's perspective for the parents out there who are listening, who are considering, wow, I really want my son to go to, and you know, you know, she's thinking of that, you know, great school out there, man. I, I really want him to get to go to Johns Hopkins university. I really want him to get to go to Pepperdine. What, what are you, what are you going to tell that parent? You got any advice that you want, you know, things that that parent should consider? Well, number one, hard work. I mean, I listen to this great podcast about tortoise and hare, you know, the tortoise and the hare and the hare sometimes is flashy and gets a lot of the attention. Um, but the tortoise is methodical and has a goal and works hard and uh, over time, you know, accomplishes it. And uh, that that really is what Jackson is. And I think for so many people, if, you know, you want to get in one of these top schools. I mean, there's plenty of like truly gifted geniuses and that sort of thing. But apart from that, um, if you're just a, you know, the regular person out there who's dreaming big, you've just got to work really hard. I mean, he gave up, you know, but 
extracurricular activities, social opportunities, things like that. Because he said, no, I got a test or I've got the ACT the next morning or, you know, I got the ACT at the end of the week. So I'm going to get good sleep, not just the night before, but all week. I mean, so, um, number one, just, you know, is, is your student really committed to, to the grind, you know? And, uh, um, and then the number two thing that really as a parent, you come back to is, you know, the Lord's got to open these doors and whether he got into a certain place or didn't get into a certain place, really, you know, that doesn't change him at all. I mean, his, who he is, who his accomplishments are and what he, he can a- achieve in life. You know, that doesn't change whether Harvard or Stanford says, yeah, we want, we want him. And so much of it is just fit and opportunity. You know, how many students do they already have coming from Oklahoma? Do they have room for another Oklahoman? Um, you know, his particular major that he's in indicated that he's interested in. You know, do they already have a bunch of those kids full up? Do they even have class classrooms, you know, for, for more students in that major? Or are they low on that major and they want to get, get people in? So, so much of it is really just out, out of your hands and you just have to trust the Lord, do the best, be the very best you can. And, you know, he'll, he'll open the door and, and send you where you need to be. And many times that's easier said than done, but there's no doubt we need to uh, take peace in that. And sometimes, uh, you know, and I, I know we're getting off, uh, you know, on the spiritual side of it, but sometimes, you know, we're like, God, I've been faithful to you. Why didn't you open that door? And, you know, I, I'm reading the book of Psalms right now and just, uh, you know, each morning I'm reading a chapter two or so and studying in Psalms and his steadfast love, steadfast love, steadfast love. He didn't change. And so he, he knows the plans. He, he's working, he's working for your, on your behalf. and his character is good. And so we can trust in that and see where, well, like you say, what doors open and where it takes us. All right. Well, great conversation. One that, uh, you know, I don't know that we've ever really fleshed that out over the years. I know we've had different thoughts and opinions and, um, but uh, I don't know that I've ever really heard all your arguments for it. So that, that is refreshing to me. And I hope it allowed our listeners, no matter where they're at, uh, to be able to think that through, hear the benefits to it, you know, should I consider it? And, you know, maybe it would be the right fit or maybe not. All right. Well, Lance, thanks for joining the podcast episode. And uh, man, I, I can't wait to have Jackson on next week and talk about his journey. And I'm sure we'll learn a lot more. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, I'm really glad you got to hear a different perspective and one that is well thought out, and Lance is a great orator. He has, uh, he, he definitely can put his thoughts together well and express in a convincing way why that may be a good option for you or your kids. And so I hope you'll think that through, and he brings up some great points, some that I have not considered, and I know that it's a tough decision. And, you know, either way, uh, it's going to work out, and if that is a dream of yours, then hopefully that gives you some thoughts and some reasons and some ammunition and some motivation to go pursue it. Next week, I'm going to have my nephew, Jackson, and he's going to be on the podcast talking about his journey to get admitted into Stanford. And uh, it is a different process, and I'm excited for you to hear it and learn a little bit about that, because if this is a path that you're interested in taking, He's got some great insight of what it takes. And 
it'll definitely be beneficial. And hopefully, again, after this week's episode, it makes you wonder or think, is that something I should consider? Well, if you enjoyed the episode, please again, share it with someone. I'll be back again next week with the new episode each week. I'm producing new episodes. If there's a topic you would like me to cover, shoot me an email or post it on our Chad Cargill Workshops Facebook page. You can find my website at chadcargill.com. You can find my prep book there. You can find my upcoming workshop schedule, calendar.chadcargill.com. And if you are a faculty or staff member and you are wanting to get your school's faculty training in before the school year starts, I definitely can do that. A lot of availability in August especially, and I can do that either at your school or we can do that online. And I gave my first online workshop and uh, did that just recently and it went really well. And so I'll be doing a lot of uh, training online and that'll be uh, a way I can give the faculty workshops if your staff is interested. So just let us know. You can shoot me an email, chat at chadcargill.com. My assistant Penny, who handles all my scheduling, Penny at chadcargill.com. Well, I hope you guys have a great week and I will be back talking to you again soon. Thank you for listening.